Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And welcome to the Monday edition of the WRSU Crew. Tonight, oh, I say the Monday, yeah, it, that, that perfectly describes the day, Sean. I, for all of you not in the studio right now, Sean's sitting right across from me, and he mouthed something at me. I was like, uh-oh, like, what did I do wrong? I was like, I said Monday. That, that kind of sums up the day right now. That kind of sums up what our first topic of the show is going to be. But nevertheless, we'll start from the top. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of The Crew. I am Gideon Fox alongside Sean Ned Carney on this Wednesday. Yes, it is Wednesday, hump day. Definitely not Monday. Sean, how are you today? I'm great, Giddy. Uh, not so great after that Rockers loss last night. But like, like you said, we're going to dive into it. And we got a whole slate of sports to talk about from whatever's going on in the NFL. We're going to try to make sense of that. Um, yeah, there's only about yeah. 17 topics we have to get through in the NFL. Just a few. Just a few. Um we got National Signing Day, which happened today. Um, we got to recap those ch- conference championship games because I another two one-score games, and that first one, I mean, that, that, that was something else. And then obviously previewing the Super Bowl, just a whole lot of NFL to talk about. And you know, with with the season winding down, it's uh, you know it, it's nice to have uh, have like a good good slate to talk about because. You know, I I don't know about you, Giddy, but when when the NFL season starts to uh, wind down, it it definitely it, it, a little bit of sadness sets in because you've been watching the sport for about what twenty some weeks, and and now you know it's coming to an end. So uh, definitely definitely um, a bummer uh, with uh, with the season coming to a close in about two weeks. Yeah, but I mean, judging by the way that the last 20 or so weeks have gone, I mean, next week and two weeks from now, Super Bowl Sunday is going to be such a good game. You have the Bengals, Rams, and I mean, I mean, who would have thought that a quarterback in his second year, pretty much his first year with Joe Burrow, you know, he was, he was injured most of the year last year, you know, who would have known that he would have been playing against the Rams, who are completely built to win now with all the trades they've been making, you know, and it, it's definitely going to be, it's going to be rough in three weeks when there's no football on Sundays, but it's been an exhausting season in the best way possible. You know, you went into every Sunday not knowing what to expect. And another thing you never know what to expect is when the Rutgers men's basketball team takes the court. Last night they took the court at the Welsh Shrine Arena in Evanston, Illinois. They fell to Northwestern by one point in overtime. 79-78 to was the final score Wildcats on top. That brought the Scarlet Knights record to 12-9, and 6-5 and in the Big Ten, and brought the Wildcats to 10-10 and on the year, 3-8 and in the Big Ten. Sean, what are your thoughts on that game? It was... Definitely one of the most Rutgers games that I've ever seen because only the Scarlet Knights can completely shut you out of a game and then reel you all the way back in, making you believe that they were going to come out with the win in Chicago only to destroy your hopes again. I would have rather just, you know, have have had Northwestern blow us out completely and say, you know, that was that. But, uh, you know, I, I, as a matter of fact, I turned the TV off when they went up 24. I said, you know, it wasn't worth my time. And, uh, you know, look at Twitter. They're down eight. So I turn it back on. And um, just look, last night was probably the end of this team's March hopes unless they pull off some kind of miracle, which, Giddy, before we got in there, you and I talked about. But uh, 
one of the thing, one of the positives I can pull out of it was the development of Paul Mulcahy. This was a guy that really disappointed me over this past year and really the past year and a half because I expected him to be a, a pure scorer and he just wasn't that. And I, I, I really liked that you know he he finally had the game that he, he should be having. I want to say consistently because 31 points is you know it's a, it's a big achievement for for someone in his position, but de- definitely like a big step up uh, for Mulcahy. And if that's a sign of what's what's to come over the next year, because he's going to be taking over in that star role, then then it's a really good sign because this is this is the guy who I want to see take the reins of this team next year when when the the two biggest leaders of this team are gone. You know who's going to step up? Okay, he's going to be the oldest player on that roster after Gio and Ron leave. He's going to be a senior next year, and so it's up to him to really, you know, say, "Look, everyone, next year, you know, people aren't going to put us in national conversations. No one's going to have us as even a bubble team in the national tournament. But look, as a senior player, I'm going to say, look, you know, to heck with that, like." I'm gonna lead this team, and so if if he can do that, then um, you know it, this team's gonna be pretty solid next year, and you know we'll see if he can build off of this performance. Yeah, Sean, you're saying he, you know it, it's performance you want to see, but you, I mean he's he's not a scorer. That's just not the type of game he plays. You're absolutely right, and he had 31 points last night. But I think what really sticks out is the seven rebounds, seven assists, only four turnovers, which for the Scarlet Knights that was pretty good. I mean, that was the leader on the Scarlet Knights, but I mean, everybody else turned the ball over a lot too. So he had seven rebounds, seven assists, four steals. That was the highest on the team in four steals. Caleb McConnell, the leader in the Big Ten in steals, averaging two per game, had zero steals. He had zero points too. He played 16 minutes, only shot the ball once from three. A very quiet night from Caleb McConnell. But Sean, you're absolutely right. I mean, once Gio leaves next year, Paul's the guy then at the one spot. He's the guy that's gonna facilitate this team. He's gonna be the guy handling the ball. He's gonna buy he's gonna be the guy taking the ball up court, calling the plays out, you know, making sure that the right guy set the screens at the right places. And I think last night that was referenced by Steve Peichel, like head coach Steve Peichel, giving Paul Mulcahy the most playing time out of every out of anybody else on the team. He had forty four minutes last night. Ron Harper Jr. was second with thirty nine minutes. Geo Baker was third with thirty eight minutes. So you're giving your not you know he doesn't play the one right now. You're giving a guy who kind of plays the two. Sometimes plays the one when Geo sits. You're giving him 44 minutes, and what he did with that was 10 for 13 from the floor, two for three from deep, nine for 11 from the foul line, and I think that was that's what kept the Scarlet Knights in the game. They went 22 for 27 from the charity stripe. Paul McKay had half of their shots from the line, and that's something that the Scarlet Knights in the past have struggled with. They've struggled a getting to the line, b converting when they get to the line, getting those shots to go into the net. Paul McKay was able to do it all last night. And, you know, it, it's tough to see a player that works so hard, you know, puts his body on the line the way that Paul McKay plays. He just he throws his body around. He plays bigger than his size. He's not afraid to go for the rebounds. He's not afraid to go for blocks either. You know, see him have a career night like that and just have it end the way it did. It was just it was so sad. He got, and you got a feel for the guy. Yeah, you do. And you saw his reaction after the game. And it was just you could just see the disappointment set in his face. Because, you know, who knows when Paul's going to have another night like that. And, you know, for for this team's sake and for his sake, I really hope he, he can play consistently like that. Because it was just so unexpected, Gideon. Like, I, I Paul was the last person who I expected to, you know, be the star of the show. and But he was, and uh, I, I was really happy. So, like I said, if, if there's one silver lining you want to take out of that gut-wrenching loss, it's that. And 
hopefully a glimpse of the future because he like a you know like we said he's going to be at the one spot and he's going to be the primary ball controller of this team for the foreseeable future so he's going to need to step up more like that but as for right now uh, I, I, and I mentioned this earlier, but I, last night was officially the end of any March hopes for this team. That's another Q3 loss, if I'm not mistaken. Is that a Q3 loss or a Q4 loss? It was. I think it was a three. So okay, that, so yeah. a Q3 loss. Because Northwestern, they they had a couple close games. Right, they, right, they, right. You know, they they lost to Illinois by only three. They lost to Wisconsin. Right. You know, they they upset Michigan State. They they were better than their record, and that's what me and Jake Schmid last night when we were on the call. Uh, that's what Jake Sweeney and I just we kept saying we we just kept saying Northwestern is better than they look. It's of course this is what their record is, but they have had close games. You have to look at the score. You can't just look at their record and be like, okay, this is an open and shut case. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so, yeah. So I mean, that's another Q three loss, and I'm not really sure how many records is up to at this point. But either way, I think that was that was the end of you know the their hopes of making back-to-back tournaments. And it's just, it sucks because when we got the news that Ron and Gio were coming back, we thought, look, like, they're going to run it back and we're going to go back to another tournament. And it's been anything but that. This this season has just been a nightmare. Ever since opening night, really, when they went to overtime with Lehigh, that really should have been a sign of what was to come. And, you know, for those of us who were optimists, we said, all right, look, I mean, it's just one game. First game back, um, you know, they were just, get, you know, it, it was their first game of the season, and, you know, we thought, look, they're going to figure out later down in the season. And, you know, after loss two, three, four, we said, look, there's still a lot of season left. Um, they're going to get it together. But now you're in February. You just dropped the game to Northwestern, albeit it was away. But, and, Gideon, you can attest to this, but it didn't look like there was a, lot, a big crowd there at, at, uh, at uh, Evanstown. No, definitely not. I mean – the, it's the smallest arena in the Big Ten. It holds somewhere 35,000. I'll double-check that for sure. And it was way under capacity last night. And Jake and I kept joking about it on the broadcast, but there was more of a student band in terms of numbers in the student section than actual students. Yeah. I mean, it was empty. Okay, it's a 7,000-seat arena. I mean, there oh, really? there were there was under 1,000 people last night. We, we checked the final um, the box score when we left, when they have the final attendance. And, I mean, it was empty, and it's, you know, it's only a 1,000 seats smaller than Jersey Mike's Arena. Last night it must have been, I mean, it was a whole different world last night. It was it was quiet. The fans did not get onto their feet until the game was getting close, until Rutgers went on the run and, let's say, Northwestern yeah. got a stop. I mean, it's a different gym, of course. You're not used to shooting in a different gym, but in terms of the crowd, it was not a hostile crowd. There's not students yelling things at you from the student section. Right. There's just no heckling. It was just... A very different road game, but you know, we know we all know how the Big Ten is on the road. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, you know, Northwestern's not really an athletic school. It's more known for its academics. I think. Um, feel feel free to jump in if if you feel differently. But um, yeah, I, you know, it's understandable that they didn't have much of a crowd. But you know, point being that you know, regardless if it was away or not, and you know, Giddy said you know no no. Big Ten road game is easy, even if there is a crowd. I, I just, you know, think that they should have gone in there and won, and they didn't. And the, I, I can't see a path to to the tournament other than you know some mir- by some miracle if they win the Big Ten tournament or win out, um, then that that's really the only hope. But uh, that 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 was the the final nail in the coffin for me. 
Absolutely. Amir, we're joined by Amir Lighty who just walked in. Amir, what are your thoughts on the game last night? Oh, man. Yeah, I walked in a little late. Sorry, boys. Seemed like you need a little, you know, always extra company. Yeah, all good. Works out. Um, I mean, man, I, I explained it yesterday, man, during Nightline. I mean, it definitely hurts. Definitely, definitely hurts, you know. I mean, tough loss. I mean, there's just, I mean, we should not be going down 24 points like that. You know, we definitely need to be on that upper hand. You know, we need to be able to control those lesser Big Ten teams. You know, we 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 need to be shooting off lights off right off the bat. Don't let them get their rhythm because we see what happens when they get their rhythm and we're down like that. But, um, I mean, you know, it was a hard-fought game. You know, like I said, I, I remember we were down, what was it, 18 at the half, maybe 15, I think 18? Yeah, it was 18 at the half yeah, after 20 minutes. Yeah, so we're down 18 and a half, and, you know, Chris and, and um, Eddie and I were like, you know, like, I was, they were like, wow, this is, uh, oof, I was like, hey, hey. We were like, whoa, comeback city. They were like, hey, I don't, they both were like, yeah, I, I believe too. I'm like, yeah, let's believe. And then the comeback came on. And, you know, it was definitely, definitely a better second half, um, you know. Um, you know, Paul was playing lights out, lights out. I haven't seen that for a while or actually seen it in his career yet, I guess. So, lights out was doing amazing, you know. And then, sadly, you know, Ron took that shot and it just didn't hit, sadly. You know, that's not, you know, I think that was a good look. Like I said, I said yesterday, maybe, you know, maybe – we could have seen if Paul, you know, Paul did have the hot hand. Maybe if Paul did take the last shot, maybe we'll see what happens. But like I said, I was saying yesterday, like, I trust Ron taking that last shot. Gio, even if Gio didn't score, even if he was cold, I would trust Gio taking that last buzzer beater shot. Ron, Paul, Oscar, any, I trust everyone on that court to take that shot. So, I mean, it was just unlucky, very unlucky shot that didn't go in. But I thought it was a great fight, a very, very great fight, very good, great fight in that second half. And, um... I just hope, you know, going forward, I mean, this is a very hard stretch of games going forward, but I think, you know, for some reason we like playing against those harder games. It gives us more of that grip, gives us more of that, you know, like we're going to win this. We want to show you that we're, we're we're nice. So hopefully those type of games, you know, gets it going, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Amir, I mean, that, that last shot, and we talked a little bit today on the way out of class earlier, but that, that was a great look. And, I mean, it's not every shot's going to go in. You know, we're kind of used to – Especially this year, we, we saw Ron make that clutch shot against Purdue to sink the number one team. We've seen Geo hit buzzer beaters, and it's 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 not going to go in every time. I mean, as good as a player you could be, being clutch is just a whole different thing. Sometimes it's luck, sometimes you're ready, but I mean, Ron was open on the right elbow. The shot would have given them the lead, and it, it, it didn't go in, and it, it's a good look, but that, that's basketball. It's going to come down to one point. doesn't matter who you play. doesn't matter where you play. You know, it, it was a good look, and there were so many... The thing was that Ron and Rucker should never have been in that situation in the first place. You shouldn't have been down 18 at the half to Northwestern. And, you know, looking through the final stats, you have career games from Cliff Amore, 22.6 rebounds. Another career game from Paul McKay, as we said before, 31.7 rebounds. Great game from from Ron Harper Jr., 16.7 rebounds. That was pretty much it. I mean, Dean Reber had seven points. Great game from him, but Geo Baker had no points. Kayla McConnell had no points. Mawant Mack, who's a gritty player, able to get four offensive rebounds. He only put up two points. Oscar Pompkins was 0 for 2 from deep. We didn't even see Jaden Jones check in. We didn't see any points from Andre Hyatt. He only played two minutes. And, I mean, Rutgers should never been in that situation in the first place. But, I, have, I mean, how could you not trust one of your best players, one of your program-defining players with that final shot? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I would really love to see, you know, 
I mean, in those type of games, man, like, we got to trust the bench. I mean, the bench definitely needs to step up, but, you know, I like, I really like, you know, him, uh, you know, Pike putting in um, Oscar, you know, maybe a little more Andre, you know, Hyatt, you know, maybe a little more, you know, Dean, you know, Dean was, you know, seven points, you know, give him a little bit of rhythm. Obviously, Cliff was having a great game, so obviously you put Cliff over for, over Dean for right then and there, but... You know, I, I think, you know, we need to trust our bench more, you know, maybe put in Jaden Jones, see how he goes. Maybe he gives you that, he gives us that spark. You know, maybe let Jalen Miller play a little bit, um, uh, let him play a little more minutes, you know, see if they get that spark, you know. Let's trust the people on the bench. The reason why we recruited people for them to play and not just sit and do nothing. Maybe, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong if we're down already, you know, you know, if we're down, let's see who can make that spark, you know, let's see who's going to give us that spark on the bench, and obviously, you know, I mean, even though, you know, Oscar was 0-2 from the, um, from deep, and, you know, put him in, put him in, oh my gosh, putting him in, uh, probably let, let up a little spark, you know, a little spark on the bench, like, yo, we can do this, like, you know, even, you know, it's not all about the shots, it's everyone playing defense, everyone's playing hard, everyone's rebounding, it was, it was, you know, it's just, it's a team effort, and I feel like maybe, Hopefully, going forward, maybe we just get a little more of you know the bench. You know, give that, give off that pressure of fourth, uh, off uh, Geo and Ron. You know, give them off that pressure. I mean, there are definitely star players of the program. You know, people you know wanted to you know stab Geo in the back yesterday because he didn't have any points, but he was still making plays. I saw a couple steals, couple rebounds, couple key passes. I mean, man, I mean, you got. I mean, I can't say nothing because I ain't never played an NCAA team game. You know, I never played D1 basketball versus a Big Ten opponent. It's it's hard. I bet I know it's hard. So, I mean, I just hopefully, you know, like I said, going forward, we get a little spark from, you know, the bench a little more. Yeah, and the, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right about getting a spark from the bench. And I think it goes beyond just, you know, the next couple games we have on the schedule. And, Sean, you were saying this before, but right now is a point in the season where March Madness hopes are pretty much done, right? Or we kind of have to look past March. We have to look at next season when Ron and Gio, Gio's definitely gone. Ron technically has one more year, but I don't think anybody sees him staying. We have to start looking at who from the bench is start gonna is gonna start giving more is gonna start gonna get any more playing time. And that's guys like Mawat Mag, Oscar Palmquist, Jalen Miller is gonna play some very solid defense, and that's gonna be with Paul Mulcahy running the point. Cliff, of course, is still gonna be starting at the five, but it's who fills in at the positions two through four. And I think now it's of course the bench has to provide that spark, has to get them excited. But it's also you need points off the bench. Now you have to start seeing some contribution off the bench because this is going to be our starting lineup next year. It's it's hard to imagine a Rutgers starting lineup without Mawat Mag in it next year. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, the the development of Mawat Mag is big, and so is just the rest of the, all these young guys. And I mean, you brought this up, but yeah, Jalen Miller, Jaden Jones, like get get those guys some playing time. You you might as well. You're at the point of the season where it's all but over. Um, barring, like I said, a miracle, get those guys in there, get them some reps. Um, you know, like you don't ha- necessarily have to take away playing time from Gio or Ron, but at least utilize uh, some of the guys so you have a better look at what you're going to get next year because those are the guys that are going to be leading your team. You're losing two starters in Gio and Ron. Um, yeah, look. J- Jalen Miller and Jaden Jones, they're going to be here for the next three, three to four years. Um, throw them in there. Uh, you know, Dean Reber, get him some more playing time because he's going to be the backup center next year to Cliff. And, you know, I really love the development of Reber as well. So 
get him some reps. Now that you're not really, and you know, and I hate to say this because Coach Pike would never throw in the towel, but now that they're really not competing for anything, because last night was essentially the last nail in the coffin. Have some fun with it and and really develop the, these guys and and get them ready for next year. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it. It's there. There's so much more basketball that's going to be played in future years and college basketball teams ebb and flow and, and even schools like Kentucky and Duke have off years. You look at last year, I mean the ACC was horrendous last year and the ACC is filled with blue bloods of UNC, Kentucky, Duke. I mean those are perennial basketball talents that you could always count on and they don't off year last year. So, you know, if, if Rutgers wants to start competing consistently, there, there's going to be off years. That's what happens. You know, I think Steve Peichel and his staff are going to have to hit the transfer portal really, really hard. Made to try try to find some veteran talent out there, maybe because there's going to be a very very young team next year. Um, but taking a look way too early into the future, who do you guys see as a starting lineup next year, barring any transfers or any unexpected news? Um, I don't even know. I have to really look into, you know, obviously Cliff Paul. I think you know, Mag. Maybe uh, I think they they might actually trust Jaden Jones because Jaden Jones was starting. You know he was starting a couple games in the beginning of the season, so I would think they're gonna trust Jaden. Maybe even Jalen, or yeah, I mean even or maybe even I don't know. You know, obviously we might get some transfers, but um, even the young the young buck uh, Logan Stevenson, Logan might you know try to get some. I think he's gonna get a good amount of minutes next year. Yeah, I see. Um... I see Paul at the one. I see Jaden Jones at the two. Cliff at the five. And then your three and four is kind of a question mark right now. They don't really have any forwards that they could immediately start. at. Out of, you know, I would say Moat Mag, they don't really have any startable forwards. They need... Does, does Ralph... Sorry. Sorry. Does Ralph leave this year? Is he a senior? I forgot. I don't think he's a senior yet. Oh. I know he's a I mean, transfer. He's, he's yeah, transfer he's transfer San Jose. I think we're like his third school too. I, I'll check on that right now because I mean that's somebody else that yeah he's a graduate student now. Yeah, so he would he would be done. Um, yeah, he played four years before. I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you try starting Andre Hyatt? Maybe. I I don't I don't know I don't think so. I mean, I, I fits right into that equation. He's he is young. He's only a sophomore sure, this yeah, year. Sure, but I I just don't think he's start. I think he's really good off the bench, and that that's kind of where I I want to keep him next year. So I think, like you said, I think the transfer portal is going to be huge. My issue is that Coach Michael doesn't usually go for like the big four or five star recruits, and you know that's fine. You know I I like the way he develops guys. Geo Baker being you know the number one guy, but um. At some point, this program is going to need that firepower like Cliff. Because I remember when we got Cliff, that was a really big deal because we had never had a guy like that commit to the school. And so when we got him, it was, you know, kind of like a turning point. But we need more of where that came from. So, you know, the, the four to five star recruits are going to have to come if this team wants to go deep into March and, you know, uh, God forbid, April. If this team. You know, wants to win a national championship some point down the line, they're going to need some serious firepower to compete with the Villanovas and the Baylors and the Gonzagas uh, of NCAA basketball. And, you know, I think that's just, you know, other than a few Cinderella stories here and there, like, you know, UConn, 
Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know who else to say, but um, outside of a, a handful of teams, you know, usually it's it's the, you know, the heavyweights that win, win the national championship. And so if you want to, you know, go, go and win a national title, that's, that's who you need four and five star recruits. Yeah, I, I agree too, but it is, I think it's just, I mean, it's a little hard to do that too. That's the only bad thing. It's a little hard to get those four or five star recruits because they want to obviously try to play for that national championship. So if they have Duke recruiting them, they think they're going to, and they have the last two is Duke and Rutgers. And they think, okay, well, I have a chance of winning a championship here, but I have more of a chance of playing more here. I don't know how recruits, you know, might think they might want to go for that national championship and even get minutes on that national championship team that makes them look even better than a team. You know, he can play 20 minutes, 30 minutes a night, drop, you know, 15, 10, 31 night, 10, you know, look, you know, be a little inconsistent and like, you know, try to go for the draft, you know, hopefully get drafted. But, you know, it's just hard to go for that four to fives. They want to they want to go to schools that they have known draft draft players. So but I think it's definitely as possible. You know, we just got to get, you know, get the recruiting up a little more. You know, Jersey is a very special place in basketball. Very, very special players come out of basketball. Um, players come out of Jersey for basketball. So it's not like, you know, we don't got the hometown heroes. Like we can definitely get the hometown heroes. It's just the fact that we just need to recruit faster and better and get them, get them wanting whatever they want. Get them here now to get us, you know, back into that caliber. Because, I mean, without, you know, Giddy said earlier in class, without Gio and without Ron, we ain't never, we haven't been to the March Madness in how long? In how long? So uh, ninety one was our, their last appearance. So right, about like twenty years. So yeah, around twenty years, we haven't, we haven't um, gone to the, uh, to the, to dance. So, I mean. You know, it's kudos to them, and 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 I hope that that shows. I hope that shows a lot of recruits like, yo, this could be you next. You could be leading us. You know, you can lead this team to another March Madness berth. You know, you can lead us to, you know, maybe getting that deep deep run. I feel like you know, yeah, sadly it did happen, but maybe I if we didn't if we didn't lose for Texas Tech last year, uh, man, that would have been a. Uh, I feel like a lot of recruits would have been like, okay, they're they're the real deals. Like you know, quick Sweet Sixteen berth. They they even if we lost the Sweet Sixteen. Still would have been like, okay, they're a little, they're a real deal. Like I would, I, I like to go here. So, I mean, we just gotta, we gotta play. We gotta get those wins. We gotta show that why we want recruits here. We gotta get to that national rank, you know, rankings, or at least just be a top two, top three Big Ten team. And then you know those four to five star recruits will come. Absolutely. I mean, it's if, it's if you build it, they will come. And you know that of course comes from performance on the court. There's still plenty of time. Uh, plenty of time left this year for Rutgers to prove themselves as still a viable Big Ten team. We know how competitive the Big Ten is, and you know Rutgers is there. They need you know th- there's potential for an upset this year. You look at the rest of their schedule; they're back in action this Saturday, I believe. Right, it's Saturday, not Sunday. Yep, they're taking on Michigan State, 13th ranked Michigan State at Jersey Mike's Arena. That's at four. Then they play Ohio State. I mean, you have four, you have five ranked teams in a row. Um, starting from this Saturday going until February 20th. So, you know, if Rutgers just plays some competitive basketball, it's not like all hope is lost, throwing the towel, move on. That's the great thing about college sports is it's not like you're competing for draft picks now. You still want to put out your best product day after day. So, you know, it'll be an interesting end to the season. We'll see if Rutgers, you know, goes on upset watch somehow, wins a couple of these games, does well in the tournament. But, I mean, 
Still plenty of basketball left to be played for the Scarlet Knights. I will never give up. I don't care. I don't. I do that with all my teams. I don't care how bad if we are bad or if we're good. Even if we're, even if you know, I used to always you know watching the Eagles. You know they can be up forty two to seven in the fourth quarter. I'm like the game is not over till it's over. I don't care because I've seen some wild comebacks. So. You know, like I said, it ain't over till it's over. You don't know. Maybe we get that miracle win the Big Ten tournament. Maybe get a couple upsets and for and then boom, we 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 in March Madness. So let's hope. You know, uh, and I and I believe it's possible. I definitely believe it's possible. You know, it's not like we haven't seen no miracles before because I promise you, no one would have thought the Bengals were going to the Super Bowl this year. So we've seen a couple miracles this year already happen. So I believe. Yeah, and, and the beautiful thing about the Big Ten tournament is that you don't have to qualify. You're already you're already in the dance. Um, it's just a matter of winning and, and getting to the to the final game and winning that. So yeah, no, like like you guys said, if they go through and you know they win the tournament by some miracle, then yeah, you know they'll be in the tournament. And um, as, as much as the optimist in me would like to believe that that would happen, I just you know I can't see them pulling off what six set what. Five, six consecutive wins against Big Ten teams when they haven't done that in the regular season. And so, uh, you know, the right as of right now, the rest of the schedule, the way it lines up is uh, just, a, just a ridiculous gauntlet. Uh, Michigan State up on Saturday. Then you got Ohio State Wednesday at Wisconsin uh, next Saturday. Illinois on Wednesday, uh, the Wednesday after that. The list goes on Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin again, Indiana, Penn State. It's, uh, you know, th- th- that's kind of what happens when you lose your easy games. You lose to UMass and Lafayette earlier on the season. It-, it gives you less wiggle room when you hit this part of the schedule, and, you know, you can't lose that many games. And unfortunately, they have. They- they've lost three of their last four. All three being all three losses being Q three losses, which is just an absolute killer. So yeah, I, I, as of right now, that's that's where we stand. Um, I, I think last night kind of alleviated the the stress of this team for me because I, I feel I I won't go into the rest rest of these games thinking that we still have a shot at least from my vantage point. I mean, I know you said you're you're very optimistic about the rest of the season, which is, you know, I, I get it. You know, I felt that way about you know other teams in the past, uh, but for me, you know, I, I'm just gonna sit down and just watch these games without thinking about, oh, how is this gonna affect their resume and whatnot, um, I, because that uh, that ship has sailed for me. Um, so, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Giddy, you and I talked about this off air, but. You never know with this team. They could win the next seven, and it could come down to the last game because that's just how Rutgers is. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that is that is peak Rutgers right there. And then, of course, that last game is going to go to overtime. There's going to be some weird call that yeah. gets reviewed. Yeah. yeah that's the beauty of Rutgers yeah. sports right there. And with that, that's going to take us to our first break of the show. After this quick break, we have Locks of the Night coming up here on the Wednesday edition of the WRSU Crew on WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. To the Wednesday crew, I'm Sean Ned Carney, joined by Gideon Fox, Amir Lighty, and Doug Willig, who's joined us at the 6:33 mark. Doug, what's going on, man? 
Sean, I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. To see the Todd Gurley Super Bowl 53 jersey. Yes. I was I was debating like before I left, should I wear a Bengals or Rams yeah, jersey? Or yeah. something different, and I decided Rams. Right. Um, but yeah, 633, 42 degrees outside right now. It's a pretty warm day. Um, but we're moving on to locks of the week after talking about Rutgers basketball. No NFL this week. I mean, I don't I don't know if you guys count the Pro Bowl, but I I don't even know if they do lines on that. But no NFL, technically. Um, no college football. The Senior Bowl stuff is now, Se- right? And yes, I saw, I saw yes. The... East-West Shrine Bowl. Yeah, I um, saw, like, I put on, like, NFL Network earlier today or something, and I saw they had, like, the Senior Bowl practice. Yeah. Or maybe that was on the like, ESPN. Uh-huh. I don't know. But I thought, oh, wow, like, right. why is the practice on right. TV? So we got college basketball. We got the NHL. We got the NBA to pick from. Who wants to go first? Ooh, I mean... I have nothing prepared. I'm gonna, I can. I pull on my phone right now. Look at some NBA lines. But yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't think I've ever gone with an NBA pick before, just because like, the the when you when you bet on nightly games, it's kind of hard because it's like, I feel like, in the NBA, you know, bad teams always somehow come out with a win because like you're like pl- teams are resting players. Right. Um. You regular know, season is so yeah crazy. it's 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 a weird it's a weird thing to not a weird thing to better but it's it's it works differently than than say the nfl where every game matters where every game matters and you're not resting players but you know the nba even if the warriors are playing i don't know who the worst i don't know who the worst team in the league is right now maybe like the pelicans like the warriors are playing the pelicans yeah it's not that absurd to see the pelicans win um but no These teams aren't going all yeah, out every yeah. day but eighty-two uh, games. Yeah. Anyone got a anyone got a lock? I could start. Um, I'm gonna go to the NHL. It's usually my reliable lock. You know, betting on the NFL this year has just been so weird. Anything could happen on any Sunday, like we're talking. We just talked about you know anything. Every game matters. So I've been relying a little bit on the NHL, where you see less players being rested here and there, and you kind of see a lot every night. Even though we're getting to the point of the year where you know who's making the playoffs, you know who's out, you kind of figure out who's on the bubble. Two teams that are definitely not making the playoffs, the, the Seattle Kraken, the New York Islanders. Seattle travels to the Islanders to play tonight. Kraken 14-26 and 4 on the year. Ooh. The Islanders 15-15 and 6. It's going to be a low-scoring game tonight. The over-under right now is set at, before it was 5, I want to see if it moved. 5.5. Five 5.5 and and right now, yeah. 5.5 at minus 140. You could parlay that with, there's a couple... Decent game tonight, but if you want to just take that straight bet, it's minus one forty. Um, you're looking at very, very, very slow offenses. The Kraken are twenty fifth in goals scored. The Islanders are thirtieth in goals scored. Um, what does stick out though, and what's good for the under, is that the Kraken are twelfth in block shots and first in safe percentage. So even if when that when New York is able to get the puck down ice and they're able to take some shots, it might get blocked up front by a defenseman by the point. It might get blocked in goal. So it's just going to be a slow game tonight. Um, both teams are pretty bad on the power play. Seattle's 26th. The Islanders are 23rd in power play success percentage. So, you know, just expect a low-scoring game tonight. Take the under at minus. Uh, take the under, which is at 5.5 right now. I don't expect that to change because um, game time is soon. But take that at minus 140. So Seattle's been bad this year. I, I haven't followed NHL at all. I, I, or go ahead. Yeah, I mean, they, they started off, like, their lineup after – the expansion draft, people were like, okay, this this is pretty good for an expansion draft. And right. then they just kind of fell flat. I mean, I know, like, so the Golden Knights made the the Stanley Cup Finals, right? Their first their first year, that was 2017. 
16 or 18, somewhere around there. 17. 17, okay. So I remember, I mean, I don't really watch hockey at all, but I saw, like, the Seattle Kraken's opening game on ESPN. I was, like, kind of hyped, so I watched that. And then I haven't really watched any more all year. I know some of their games have been on, like, ESPN+, Plus, which I don't, don't really have. And, like, it's like I don't want to, like, go out of my way to, like, find a stream, so I just haven't really been keeping up with them. But, yeah, I mean, that I guess that's sad. They'll, they'll take time, though. I, I, that's really uncommon for, like, an expansion team to uh, do well. I mean, when's the last time the um, NHL, like, added a team before Vegas? Well, I mean, an expansion hasn't happened in a while. You saw, like, the Thrashers, be- the Atlanta Thrashers became the Winnipeg Jets, but that was a relocation. I see. An expansion hasn't happened in a long time. And usually, when, like, NHL expanded, they would do, like, multiple teams per offseason. I-, I mean, I mean, I can't even think of the last time the NHL expanded with just one team before Vegas. Um, No. Not all the way back to, like, the Canadians, like, Winnipeg and everything. Right, exactly. It's just, like... Not in recent memory. So, I mean, like I you're saying, Doug, like the Vegas thing was kind of a fluke. You know, they started off well. They were able to get rejects from teams, and once they put all those rejects together, they were fantastic. But Seattle's unable to find that. So that's why low-scoring game tonight. I see. Yeah, all right. I'm going to go Knicks-Grizzlies. I pulled up. I honestly – okay, this is an hour ago, so this game is today. I, like, haven't – like the NBA, like you said, there's so much going on in the regular season. It's almost like these games don't mean much. But Grizzlies versus Knicks – all right, the Grizzlies are minus four favorite. Game is at, I believe, Madison Square Garden. Yep, Madison Square Garden tip-off is at 7.30. And the line is, I said, yeah, I just said four and a half, right? Because now I can't even find it again. But, yeah, all right. Oh, okay, so Memphis is minus four. I think the Knicks lose this one, and they, they don't cover that uh, minus four. Just because... You know, I should have done more research on this, but I think, like, the Eastern Conference has been kind of weird this year, but the Knicks haven't been doing great. They're 24-27. and 27. I know there's been a couple instances where Julius Randle has been booed at the Garden and all this stuff. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but as a Nets fan, that kind of makes me a little happy to see just because I don't really like the Knicks. But, yeah, I have the Grizzlies covering that minus four today. And, yeah, that's my luck. Uh, I'm also going to be picking the NBA Sixers play the Wizards tonight uh, at home. Philadelphia is favored by 10. I'm going to say Washington covers because Seth Curry's out tonight. Okay. Um, and obviously him being the uh, the best three-point shooter. I, I, Washington has been pretty solid this year. Um, I think they cover. I, I still think that the Sixers win, but I don't think it'll be a 10-point deficit. Um, um, I was, I was, I was maybe making a lay <laughs> when y'all were doing that. <laughs> um, uh, I think my lock for today was definitely, I think because my cousins are going, my cousin's going to the, uh, Grizzlies Knicks game. I'm going Grizzlies minus four or if, or if y'all want to do it, I'm taking John Morant's over. John Morant's over right now. Uh, I can tell you while I look this up. I'm pretty sure it's like 23. Um, I could be wrong, though. Let me see. I'll check you right now. Because John Morant has been on a tear lately. John Morant, oh, 20 and a half. Whoa. But I still think so. I still think John on a 40-piece on the Knicks. Only because my... Yeah, 40-piece on the Knicks. Just because my cousins are going. And they're going to show out for uh, the... For them, but if you want to be safe, I'll take Memphis Grizzlies. I'll take them their spread minus four, or even their money line's not terrible. Minus 170, that's not terrible, but 
you know, um, yeah, I'm liking that, and yeah, I'm thinking that. Or no, I'm not. I I don't. I'm not gonna bet against my Thunder. I don't care. Even though if we don't have Shy or Shay, we don't have them. I don't care. Oh, I'm I not s- betting against them. I saw the Thunder a couple of weeks ago at the Nets when they uh, came to Barclays. It was January. 13th, and the Thunder beat the Nets down. It was, it was We thrashed them. Thrashed them. What yep. now? You were at what? that game, Doug? I was at that game, what? yeah. What do we do? We thrashed them. Yep. <laughs> Who is James Harden? Yeah, that was that was a sad game. Josh Giddy was good. He's very good. I mean, to see him in person was exciting just because, like, he's still young. I think he's only— I've been, I've been trying to tell y'all. Yeah. I've been trying to tell y'all. Josh only... Giddy, rookie of the year. I'm sorry. Sorry, Jalen. Sorry, Cade. It's Josh Giddy. It's Giddy, just like Gideon. Yeah, to see like his like playmaking ability is, is crazy, and just to, like to see it like live. I mean, he's only nineteen, so he's gonna develop more. It was, I mean, it was sad because the Nets lost, but it, it was cool though. He's he's a cool player. I mean, like you're saying, like I mean, if, if that guy, if Josh Giddy wins, first of all, I wish I put just ten dollars on Josh Giddy winning. Um, rookie of the year just because of the name, but look, if he wins rookie of the year, I, I I've been saying I want to buy a Josh Giddy jersey. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, if he wins rookie of the year, that's a pretty solid case for me to get an NBA jersey. Oh yeah, I already got shot Shay. I keep on saying Shy Geo. Is it Shay? How, how it's do Shay. you say it? It's Shay. I always me, mess it up. Me, I got in an argument with Geo the other like two months ago because he was like, "You're saying it wrong." I'm like, "Bro, it's Shy." He's like. It's Shay, and then like he fully fact checked me, and I was like, "All right, it's Shay." Shy Stadium, <laughs> and, then, and then the last name is Gilgis, right? Like Gil, Gilgis, Gilgis, Gilgis. Yeah, Shy. I say Shy Gilgis Alexander. Shy Gilgis, but Alexander. Shay Gilgis Alexander. So Shay. I need, I definitely need to get a Giddy jersey too. And you know who I also really like that's gonna develop pretty well. I'm thinking is Trey Mann. Trey Mann is not a bad player on the Thunder. Like he's a rookie. Like I said, we're obviously. We're in our rebuilding stages. We're not going to see the playoffs in the next, like, three to four years. But I like him. I like Trey Mann. I like all of our rookies this year. Giddy, Trey Mann, you know, Wiggins. I like them all. So I hope we can develop them and just become a nasty team without even trading for anyone. I mean, maybe trade for one person. Just don't lose Dort. Lose Dort. If we don't lose Dort, then I'm all right with it. What's the Thunder record right now? Like fifteen and like thirty. I see. That's <laughs> they're definitely last. I mean, I'm just upset with the Nets because we're on like a five game losing streak, which I mean doesn't really matter. Sorry, y'all gonna y'all should lose it today versus the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, like yesterday versus Phoenix, uh, it was a rough game. I mean, I know there were some questionable foul calls, but it's just been bad. It's been bad. This like stretch for the Nets. I mean, I think we'll be all right, but but we'll see. I mean, the NBA is just you got to wait till playoff time, and then that's like when it matters. But Right now, I think the Nets are almost like going to be in like the play-in tournament. The way things stand, they're at like the sixth seed right now with this current losing stretch. And I mean, if you're falling seven to ten, you got to play in those playing games. So, so we'll see. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I just can't stand the Lakers. Uh, I was so right about the Bulls, but the Lakers—they're just killing me. They're just killing me, and it makes me so sad because, like, I really, really wanted the. Really wanted the league. I mean, they're gonna play the playing game. So, like Russ said today, I'm just saying. Russell Westbrook said, "Playoffs start. We start zero and zero. That's all I'm saying. Uh, even though I cannot back up Russ any more than I always do, like the way he shoots off freaking shot clocks and everything. I don't know what else can I do to help him out. But yeah, the Lakers just get on my nerves. Hopefully, hopefully that becomes a uh, that becomes another miracle, a miracle for my teams. 
So the Lakers right now sit at ninth in the Western Conference. Amir, do you think they stay there, play the play-in tournament? Do they move up, get a regular seed? What's the deal with them? Um, If they get the regular seed, definitely seventh. They're not going to go anything higher than seventh. Is seventh? No. You have to be sixth to be out the playing game, right? Seven through ten. Seven through ten. Seven plays ten and eight yeah. plays nine. All right, so six at most. Because if you look at the, the Western Conference right now no. – I actually I'm wrong. Seven plays eight. Sorry to interrupt you. Seven plays eight. Nine plays ten. It's uh-huh. like confusing. Then the winner of seven eight automatically locks it. The loser of seven eight plays the winner of nine ten, and then the winner of that gets the eight. So it's kind of confusing. But I was wrong before. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that just sounded actually very confusing. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> it is. It's it's weird. It's weird. I mean, I like that they added something different, but like it's confusing though. Not nah, fully. Like we didn't have to do all this. You didn't have to. Just do it could have been easily just I don't know like if eight you were, through ten, yeah whatever. Like last year though when the um I don't know if you remember about the Lakers played the Warriors in that playing game mm-hmm. that that was exciting and like just to see LeBron go go against Steph and like that game like kind of went to the end that was like exciting and then like the way it works even though the Warriors lost that game to the Lakers they got to play another playing game I think versus Memphis. And that's the game when like Dylan Brooks went off or something. Yeah. And then the Warriors missed the missed the playoffs. It's weird. If you get eliminated from the play-in, you're considered like to not make the playoffs. So the Warriors are considered like not to have made the playoffs last season. Which not is weird. fully. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was crazy. I remember that. But right now, Lakers ninth, twenty four and twenty seven, seventeen and a half games back to first from the Suns. Wow. Suns are forty one and nine. And it's crazy, too. Like, two years ago, I was saying, free Devin Booker. Like, I really wanted Devin Booker to be on the Thunder. Like, I was like, free him. He's too good to not be on a good team. And then they got Chris Paul. Chris Paul makes your team just so much better. When we traded for him, I just, I loved Chris Paul on the Thunder. We weren't even, like, we were not even amazing. But the way Shea and Chris Paul were able to connect and had that chemistry, even even in the bubble, going seven games with Houston, with Russell Westbrook and James Harden, like, you know that's I I was proud of that. I think we should have cut. We should have even won that series, but it happens. But Chris Paul just makes your team so much better. And it's crazy because he's like thirty seven now, right, or thirty six. Like Chris Paul is not like he should be past his prime, but he's still averaging like double digit assists. He's still giving you like fifteen points a night. Yeah. So he's still. It's crazy because when he like got sent there or got traded to Phoenix, I thought, oh wow, like Chris Paul, like this is kind of the end. Like okay, he doesn't really have a shot at winning a, a ring in his prime anymore. And then instead of Phoenix being the worst team or like being a bottom feeder, they make the finals last year and now they're forty one and nine, the one seed by like a solid margin over the Warriors or the two seed. I don't remember what it is exactly, but I think it's like two or three games at least. So I mean they're set. I mean, for the playoffs this year it should be exciting. I mean, they could be I think they're a legitimate contender to come out of the West. I know things change come playoff time, but I mean, the Suns making the finals like wouldn't really be a surprise. It'd be cool to see like a Suns, you know, I mean, Suns-Bucks finals. Again, I definitely want to see a Sun-Nets finals, but I'm biased there. I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about the Nets. I mean, Sean, I know you're a Sixers fan, so you probably are disliking the Nets just even before the Big Three. Yeah, no, I mean, not. I, I didn't have any dislike towards them before the Big Three. I still don't have any dislike towards them. I, d- I don't think, like, there's, like, a real rivalry because – they didn't even get to play each other in the playoffs last year. Like they both got bounced out in the second round, in Game Seven, and so you Do know. You remember that Nets six play a uh, Nets Sixers playoff series a couple of years yeah, back? Yeah, 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 with Jared Dudley and Jared Ben Dudley, Simmons. Jared Dudley, Ben yeah, Simmons yeah, yeah, beefing. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, y
Um, no, that, that that was fun. Um, the Nets won Game One, and then yeah. the Sixers won Games Two right, through Five. Right. right. Yeah. And, and, and I think at that point, the Nets were really playing with house money because they the best player on their team was D'Angelo Russell, yeah. who they moved the next season, and so uh, they were getting ready to shell out some money for for guys like KD and Kyrie, and exactly. uh, eventually James Harden, which you know he wasn't a free free agent addition, but he he was a trade. Mm-hmm. But you know, nevertheless, they had that plan in place. Um, but no, I, I think uh, it, it's really interesting to see what's happening with the Nets. They've just completely unraveled here, yeah, and it's not it. what you expected. Uh, of course, you know Kyrie's playing fifty percent of your game, so that that definitely factors in. And it's even less than that because he missed like the uh, the beginning. Of right, the, right. Uh, yeah, missed about f- what three, four months of the season. Yeah, yeah, something like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, no, no. I th- I think and and so this is gonna be huge come playoff time. Uh, when it because they're not gonna be a, if they're not a high seed, they're pro- in a seven game series. They're gonna play four games away, which means if they go to a game seven, that's a game where you don't have the second best player on your team or third place third best player, depending on how you see it. Right. So they're gonna go into a game seven on the road without Kyrie Irving if they get there, and that's gonna be huge. But you know that that's about two to three months from now. Um, it's just I think. The Nets are going to look back on this um, if James Harden leaves this free agency, and they're just going to think about this absolute catastrophe that happened. And this already happened eight years ago with Kevin Garnett and all those players that they yeah. added. It was a little different then, but also sure, yeah, and they were a lot up. older. They weren't in their prime exactly, as yeah. compared to KD, Kyrie, mm-hmm. and yep, James yep. Harden. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is quite the situation here for for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, yeah, I mean we'll see. We'll see come playoff time just because, like, we'll see come playoff time just because last year, obviously, there was the injury issues, right? And had yeah. the – so Kevin Durant was fully healthy, right? But mm-hmm. Kyrie and James Harden were not. Right. And that, you know, ultimately led to what happened. Right. So where they lost to the Bucks in seven. And it was still that close. So we'll see what happens this year. We'll see, you know, who's healthy, who's not healthy, all that. But I think they'll be okay. Like I just want to wait and see. Come playoff time. Like the big three still hasn't really played any games together. All that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest issue for them is that those three really haven't played that many games together. And this yeah. year it's going to be strictly at home or on the road. Excuse me. But uh, yeah, and also even last year, Kyrie missed a good part of the season. He mm-hmm. missed pretty much all the playoffs. Um because I think what they they won round one in what five games I think yeah versus they, Celtics. and then they round two seven to the Bucks. round two I think he got hurt game three or game four yeah um James Harden was hurt game hurt, one I think hurt game one he missed a good chunk of the playoffs so really that's been the biggest issue and so that they they signed they signed those three up so that they could play together and that really hasn't happened yeah in in uh in copious amounts and also doesn't get talked as much uh about but also joe harris has been injured yeah most joe of the harris season. Yeah. like my one of my other friends who's a nets fan talks about this all the time just because harris like when he's on the outside he's a shooting threat right. the defense has to at least put a guy in him right now the nets don't really have a shooting threat out on the floor like mm-hmm. multiple maybe if patty mills is out there and he's hot then okay you know right. you guard him but when harris isn't out on the floor the defense can kind of collapse in the paint and then james harden is kind of clogged up and he doesn't have as much will in the paint to score right. and it's hurting Harden. Right, at least a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I don't know. 
the, the interesting thing about the East is that there's just so little room separating the right. top seed and, and the bottom together. seed. Exactly. I think the Nets, as a sixth seed, they're only two and a half games out of the number one seed. It's, it's something crazy yeah. like that. And that's even with them being on a five-game yeah. losing streak. I, I also think what's interesting about this year is that you have some of the underachieving teams from the past few years making it to the top. The Cleveland Cavaliers are 11 games above 500. They're yeah, they, 30 and 19. The Bulls are the number one seed. And I think it's really made things fun in the East because yes. for, for the past couple of years, it's been the Nets, the Sixers, and the Bucks. Right. Those have been your three teams that that really people talked about as coming out of the East. But now... And the Heat made the finals. And, the, and the Heat. But, um, yeah... Now you it's have, different. yeah, it's very different. You see the shakeup all of a sudden, um, and, and right now the East is anyone's game. It's anyone's game. I, you know, the, <laughs> you know, you mentioned yeah. So the Cavs are now up to thirty-one and twenty six. Okay, let me just go through the top six seeds because I have it pulled up. So Bulls and Bulls are one thirty-two eighteen. Sixers two thirty-one nineteen. Heat three thirty-two twenty. Cavs four thirty-one twenty. Bucks five thirty two twenty one Nets six twenty nine twenty one so Nets three games out of one those six teams all separated by three games and you know two three four nights from now that could be completely different yeah because you got the Nets on a uh, five game or let's see or the what I have pulled up right now doesn't have the streaks but yeah the Nets are on a five game losing streak I think one of those teams is on like a five game winning streak so it's all getting shaken up yeah yeah and uh, I I don't know I I think. This playoff picture could shake up so much over the month, over the next month and a half, or you know, however long the regular season is, just because of that small uh, distance between the first seed and and the right. sixth. Or you can go as far down as the eighth seed because the Raptors, as the eighth seed, are only five and a half games out of the number one seed, which right. you know. They're probably not going to cover all five and a half, but that's a very small margin if, if you think about it. Celtics had nine or six games out. Yeah, that's, it's that, crazy. That, that's insane. The one one of the underachieving teams is the Atlanta Hawks, twenty four right. and twenty six. Now I know Trey Young's been out for a little bit. Yeah. But uh, after that Eastern Conference run that they had last year, mm-hmm. they went up two zero in that in that series, if I'm not mistaken, or was it? I uh, think, and then they lost. in Yeah, six? and then, and then they happened? lost in six. Yeah, no, they went up 2-0. Yeah. And um, it's crazy because the Bucs um, played the Raptors, I think, in the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals, and the Bucs were up 2-0. And right, then the Raptors right, were 4-0, right. so the same thing happened. But a couple right, years later. yeah. And the the Bucks actually had home court advantage that series. If right. they had beat Toronto in Game 6, they would have gone back home for Game 7 right. and played a Game 7 at home in Wisconsin. But they lost in 6. Um, again, just completely unraveling. But... I don't think anyone was stopping that Toronto team that year, not because they were just dominant, but because I guess they, they seemed like a team of destiny. Right, um, and they got help in the finals. Yeah, they when did. The Warriors, when when, when KD went down hurt and Clay got hurt too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the finals that, went to six games though. Right? Six games. So yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Close ish. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, no. Looking at this year, it's it's going to be a very interesting play for for both conferences, in my opinion, because. You look at the Western Conference. You got some. You, you got Memphis at at the third seed, right? Which, and that could be cool. That's yeah. Cool. That could be really cool. And they're seven and a half right now. So look, you look at the disparity. Yeah. 
the difference between the one and three seed in the Western Conference is seven and a half games. The difference between the one and the nine seed in the Eastern Conference is six so, games. So it's so not comparable. Yeah, or it's it, it comparable it, and it's crazy different. Yeah, yeah, it's, and. And, and you got teams like the Lakers and the Clippers, who we expected to be the heavyweights of the Western Conference for years to come. They're at the eight and nine seed, respectively, which right. is really interesting. You, uh, the Timberwolves are actually above the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Trailblazers at the moment. They're twenty six and twenty five as a seven seed. So just a complete shakeup all over the league. So. I think these are probably the playoffs I'm most looking forward to since I want to say 2015, 2016. I thought I thought those playoffs were really fun. Oh, the finals! The finals, even even the Western Conference Finals with the Thunder and the Warriors. Warriors, Yes, I I just thought those those playoffs were just so fun, and I I think these are probably going to be the most anticipated finals for me since then. Yeah, it's. The NBA, just like kind of looking back as a whole, like the 2010s, the decade, now that we're kind of a couple years out, was like a really good decade. Yeah. Just kind of, I mean, this is like the first decade we kind of watched basketball, uh, at least people our age, and it was just a great decade to start off in. And then, obviously, now you kind of had new stars who have come up in the 2020s, and Luka, Giannis, right. hopefully Zion pans out, right. you know, he's been injured all year, but... Yeah, the 2010s were great, and the 2016 playoffs and finals were probably the epitome of that because that was just such a great series. And hopefully that happens again this year. You never know. You might just get like a six-game playoff series, but none of the games are close, and it's kind of a dud. You never know what you're going to get, but it could be, should be exciting. Yeah. But with that, it's just about to be 7 o'clock, so we're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll have a second hour of crew. If you're listening to the WRSU crew on WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU. 